Good morning. It's so wonderful to see everybody this morning, and I see some new faces. So if you are a visitor today, we're so happy to have you. Welcome to New Hope. We have visitor cards in the back, and if you could fill that out for us, then we can have your info, and you have a, there's a little first-time visitor bag. Um, it's a great day to be here, and there is an exciting week coming up this week. Um, so next Sunday to start, the Honduras bags are due on the 30th. Um, so if you could grab those, we still have a lot of bags left. So if you would grab your bags and get those filled up so that we can send those to um, our partnering group there in Honduras. There are 19 bags left, so we really need you. Um, this is not just, uh, I, won't, I won't say this again because they're due next week. So if you can just get all that you can, and if you have someone that might want one that you've spoken with and you can grab it for them, that would be great. Uh, also, Wednesday is our huge fall festival, the Follow Jesus Festival. Last year we had, I think, close to around 200 people that came. So we need you to help serve the community. We still have a couple trunks that I would love to be um, done this week. They're out there. I highlighted the ones that I would really love to be um, themed and done this next week. And we need cookies and brownies. So if you can please go out there and sign up. We need individual wrapped cookies and brownies to help out with the meal because we're feeding a meal for everyone that comes. So that would be a lot of help to Sandy and the team. And please, if you don't sign up for anything, just show up and I will have something for you to do. That would be great. Another announcement um, that is near to my heart is that we are in need of a Sunday school teacher for our kindergarten through second graders. It's an amazing group of young people. We have them scattered throughout we need someone to lead this group. It's a gift. If you've never taught a children's class, it is a gift. Not only will you be able to teach and to serve the Lord through that, but you will gain so much from that opportunity. They are ready every week, excited to see you. They want to learn. They're not like adults that are just sometimes sitting there quietly. They want to answer questions. They want to do what you planned. They want to be your friend, and they want to hug you every time they see you after. So this is a gift to be able to teach them. So if you would pray over that and get with Derek um, Brooks, if that's something that you can do, or if there's a couple of y'all that want to team up and do that together. Um, and I know I have had someone tell me that if someone does it, they have you have a backup. I have a sub if you can't be there. So don't let that hold you back. We have people that can help you if you're sick. Um, so please think about that and pray over that um, and let us know soon for that if you don't mind. And now let's just go to the Lord in prayer, my favorite part of the morning. Father in heaven, how great you are. Your beauty is everywhere all the time and especially in the fall, Lord. I just feel like you show out for us that before the cold stays that you show us this this beautiful portrait of your power, your power that is incomprehensible, that we can't understand, a power that has been there before the beginning and that will be there through past the end, that you are never ending. Your power in creation and in these people, and I thank you, Lord, for giving us all that you have. I pray for us as we worship that we will focus on you, Lord, on what you desire for us and that our thoughts be with you and that our songs be sung to honor you. 
that we lift our voices as we picture you in the heavens and all that you've blessed us and done miraculously in our lives. Let all those memories pour into us as we worship you this morning. I pray over Pastor Russ as he comes and, and gives us the, the, the learning, the teachings and the things that he has learned from you that you have instructed him to tell us. I pray over his words that your spirit, the power of your spirit, go through those into us, Lord, that we then leave with that power and that knowledge to disciple others, that it's a ripple effect, Lord, that it doesn't just stop at these doors. Oh, how great you are, and I thank you for this church, Lord, and all those in it. And in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Are you glad you're a part of the family of God? Praise the Lord that He has chosen us. Amen. Well, we're continuing our, ser- our series on Mirror, Mirror. Uh, it's been uh, based on, I guess, the uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. When the queen asked the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the queen, of course, is expecting the mirror to say that she is, but it's not, is it? It turns out to be Snow White. And so we're continuing in that thought, mirror, mirror. Who does God say that you are? Who does God say that you are? We've been challenged to take a real close look into into our hearts, into the mirror of our hearts, and ask the question, what do I see? What's really going on in there? Who is in there? What is my life reflecting to other people? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. In other words, when somebody looks at us, they should see God. We should be reflecting the character of God in everything that we do and and, and reflecting what He's like in the way that we live life out. And so when we look in the mirror, who do we see? And so let's continue to see as believers who Jesus says that we are. Last week we discovered that we were reconciled with Christ. Okay? Uh, We're a new creation in Christ. Also that we're ambassadors for Christ. Today we're going to see that as Christians we're His children. We're a child of God. It says in, in, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. And so we're, we're God's children. We're His adopted children. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says, Blessed is He, I'm sorry, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And here it is. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to praise, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. When a child is adopted, again, us being adopted children of God, when children are are adopted, they are specifically wanted. They are chosen by the parent. We have some friends that live in Gaffney, and they went to China and, and, and picked out Two little girls. And so in all of that orphanage, the parents chose these two children because God placed them on their heart and they brought them home and now they're, now they're in college and they've, they've cared for them and brought them up and raised them 
in the way of the Lord and taught them the ways that they should live. But they specifically chose those little girls because they loved them. And their love has grown over time. But there was a when you make an adoption, there's a cost to be paid. There's a price to be paid by the parent in order to receive the child. There's legal fees, adoption fees. In their case, it was foreign relational fees to the governments and that sort of thing. So it's a costly endeavor to adopt a child. But when that adoption takes place, that responsibility becomes yours. You become responsible for that child. They're under your care. And the thing about it is, you can't give the child back. You can't give the child back. In turn, that child becomes the legal heir of the parent. (laughs) They will inherit the, 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 the parent's estate. And God said, as believers... He chose us to be His children. He chose us. He loves us. And we're a part of His family. And for those parents that are here today, those that are watching online, let me ask you this morning, how much do you love your children? How much do you love your kids? Okay? You You can't describe it, can you? You can't put a price on it. I remember when Carly was born, and we, we first laid eyes on them. And it's like your whole heart is captivated, filled with love. And then, and then here comes Claire. And you're thinking, how can we share that love that we have with Carly with another girl? And boom, there it is. You're filled with that love again. And then comes Caroline. And you think, how can we do it three times? And again, God just continues to fill your heart with love for your children. It's a way that we, it's a love that you, that we can't explain. And we would do anything in the world for them, wouldn't we? We would go to, to great lengths to care for our children. Well, think about this, as much as we love our children, that special place, whether they're little or teenagers. Okay, we'll say we'll stay aside teenagers. <laughs> when they're little, when they're teenagers, when they're adults, that love is still there, isn't it? We kid about teenagers because that's the rebellious years. But you know what? In God's eyes, we're, we rebel against Him, don't we? But that love from God never changes. Our love for our kids never changes. It's, it's, it's always there. And as much as we love our kids, God's, God loves His children exponentially more than we could ever love our children. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. And so in Christ, we're, we're a new creation. We're Christ ambassadors. We're a child of His. And we're also saints. Saint Noah, Saint Ken, Saint Mary, Saint Joe, you know, whatever it might be, Saint Sybil, Saint Bob, 
Paul opens his letters, especially to the churches in Corinth and Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae. And he, when he opens those letters in his writing, he addresses the believers as saints. As saints. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, do you feel like a saint today? Do you you feel like a saint today? Hmm? We think about the the, the, the Catholic Church, you know, and they they elevate uh, some servants in their church to be called, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, and, you know, on and on. Do you feel like a saint today? Are you okay with being called a saint? Saint Mark or Saint Mike, Saint Ray, Saint Helen. Maybe a better question is, are we acting like a saint? The story of a two brothers who they were just downright scoundrels, you know, they were they terrorized the town. They ran around on their wives. They were dishonest and, and, and mean in their, in their business dealings. And then one day, the younger brother died unexpectedly. And so the, the older brother went to the pastor and he said, Preacher, I'd like for you to do my, my brother's funeral. And, and he said, At some point, I want you to publicly say that my brother was a saint. <laughs> and the preacher's like, now hold on now, you, you know I can't say that. Because you know, we both know he was anything but a saint. And so the, the, the older brother, he pulls out his checkbook and he says, uh, Pastor, I'll write your church a check for $10,000 if you'll publicly say that my brother was a saint. Well, the day of the funeral came and everybody there knew you know, that the deceased man was a womanizer, a cheat, and and just a, a wicked man. And the preacher went on and on at the funeral about how bad this person was, about how evil he was, and, and, and just you know what a womanizer and a drunkard and a, and a cheat that he was. He kept on and on. And then the preacher paused for just a moment. And he said, but as evil and as sinful as this man was, compared to his brother... He was a saint. (laughs) So now we don't need to compare ourselves to each other but to God, right? (laughs) So what is a saint? What is a saint? The Bible says that all believers are called saints. We make that reference and throughout the Bible, uh, believers are called saints over 60 times, nearly 70 times. But the word saint actually means to be one that is set apart. And so we are set apart by God for His purposes. And so we're, set, we're to set ourselves apart 
from the sinfulness of the world. We're to set ourselves apart for the purposes of God, for the holiness of God, and live a life that's pleasing to God. So we are set apart by God for His purposes. And so those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ as, a, as your Lord and Savior, you're now a saint. Remember that. Again, are we living up to that? Vance Havner, uh, a great preacher, said there's only two kind of people, the saints and the ain'ts. <laughs> okay? He said if you're not a saint this morning, uh, you know, you can be today. You can be today by facing, placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, I pray that you'll do that. If you are a saint, are you living up to your name? Are you living up to the title what we envision a, a saint to be? What it actually means to be one set apart from the world one set apart by God for God's purposes? How are we living our life out? Are we living our life up to the name of saint as one who is set apart from sin and serving God? In James, if, in James chapter 4, verses 8 and 10, if you're not living up to what God wants you to be, James tells us to come near to God and He will come near to you. Come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, James says. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. The story of a little boy who was asked in Sunday school what a saint was and he said they're like... They're like the stained glass windows. A saint is a person that lets the, lets the light shine through. Exactly. Saints are, are men and women through whom the light of Christ shines through. So we should be reflecting the likeness of Christ to the world, to the people that we meet, to the people that we encounter, the people we are involved with every day. They should be seeing the characteristics of, lo- of God in our life. And part of living that, that sanctified life and that saintly life is, means to take care of, of God's temple. We're His children, we are saints, and we are God's temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let me ask you a question. Do we act differently in church than we do outside of church? I'm just talking in general. When you come into the sanctuary, do you act different than anywhere else? Probably so. You know, you're not running up and down and, you know, all that. We have a respect for the building, for this, for this place, don't we? For the holiness of the, of the sanctuary. We wouldn't think about defacing it, would we? 
taking spray paint and spraying the walls and all that kind of stuff or, you know, just doing crazy stuff. We wouldn't think of having drunken orgies and parties in here, would we? <clears throat> we wouldn't allow foul language to, to persist, would we? Think about this. If our bodies are God's temple, if our bodies are God's temple, His dwelling place, we shouldn't allow such things to take place in our lives either. Yes, today's Sunday, but, but what takes place the other six days of the week in your life? Remember, our body is the dwelling place of God. It's God's sanctuary. Are we treating it like God's temple? In Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. In Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We're Christ ambassadors. We're to be about sharing His message of hope and love. We're His children. We're heir to the throne. We're saints. We're separated and set apart by God, for God. We're His temple, the dwelling place of God. And Jesus also calls us His friends. Jesus calls us His friends. Do you need a friend today? In John chapter 15, Verses 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Here it is. Jesus says in verse 14, You are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. <clears throat> when I read that passage, there's two words that come out, that stick out to me, that, that stand out to me, and that's the word friends and, and servant. But have you ever just stopped for a moment to think, to meditate on, just to absorb the thought that the Creator of the universe says, now you are my friend. 
the God of heaven and earth, says, you are my friend. Let that sink in for a bit. You know, when we think about this passage and it talks about servants and slaves, <clears throat> the idea is a little bit different today than it was in biblical days, in biblical times. Maybe a better way to look at that is, is an employer and employee. After college, Mo and I moved to Johnston for a couple of years, and when we moved back, uh, I went to work with my dad. And he and I had a unique relationship in that he was my boss, he was also a good friend, and I was his son. <clears throat> and so as we were talking about business, we would talk about things that were going on, things that needed to be done or, or might be done. But we never discussed some of those things with the other employees because it was that relationship that he and I had, the things that we talked about. Yes, we were good friends, but he was still in charge. Okay, he, he, he's the one that, that created the business. It was, it was his. He had more experience, more life experience, more business experience. He knew the industry. He'd been involved in the industry for a long time. But I was a partner with him, and, and yet he still made the decisions. Jesus is God's Son. He created the world. He created us. He has a plan and He sets the rules. He is the Father and we are the children and He wants us to partner with Him to do good works. He wants us to partner with Him as a, as a partner, as a friend, to fulfill His purposes here on the earth. And so we are to obey Him because He's still in charge. You know, when you're facing things in life, when, when difficulties in life happen, maybe you, or maybe you just have a, a big decision to make, dealing with, with something or someone, a lot of times we'll, we'll bounce those ideas and those, you know, what's going on, we'll, we'll bounce it off of our spouse, won't we? Or maybe our good friends, we'll let them know, you know, I'm trying to work through this decision, it's, it's going to be life-changing for me and my family, what do you think? How can you help me? But you share that with your friends and with your spouse because they are your friends and they know your business, don't they? They know what's going on in your life because of the relationship that you have with them. Even Jesus, you know, He had the, the multitude of disciples. He had His 12 disciples and then He had His three good friends, Peter, James, and John. Those were the ones that, that He took to the, to the special places like the Mount of Transfiguration or to the Garden of Gethsemane. We sang the song, I found a friend in Jesus. And we sang the words, He is everything to me. Is He everything to me? Is He really your friend? Do we treat Him like a friend? Most of you all have Facebook. How many friends do you have? 200, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000? 
What do you call them? Facebook what? Friends. Your friends on, you know, you get a request. I want to be a, I want to be a friend. Add me as a friend to your Facebook. But in reality, Facebook friends are one or two thousand. But in reality, we only have a few real friends, don't we? Do we treat Jesus like a Facebook friend or a real friend? Do we keep Jesus at arm's length like we do our Facebook friends? Or do we invite Him in to be a part of our life, to enjoy life with us? You see, unlike servants or employees or Facebook friends, our real friends, they make sacrifices for us, don't they? <clears throat> Jesus gave everything for His friends. The Bible says Jesus laid down His own life for those who He loved. Shouldn't we be willing to do the same thing? Are you a friend of Jesus? We've been talking about looking in the mirror and asking ourselves what's in there. Who are we in reality? What's inside of our heart? I want you to take a few minutes and reflect on that question. <clears throat> As these folks are handing out mirrors, listen to Psalm 30, uh, 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast from me your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You take that mirror and open it up. Mirror, mirror. When you look into that mirror, what do you see? 
What's going on inside? What are you struggling with? What is it that's controlling your life and, and controlling your heart? Let me ask you, when you, when you look into that mirror, is there more of Jesus or more of the world inside there? Genesis 1.27, God created, God created you in His image. In the image of God, He created you. Do you see more of Jesus or more of yourself? Is your life reflecting Christ to those around you? <clears throat> this morning as we sing our hymn of invitation, I ask you the question, will you surrender your life? Will you surrender your life completely, wholly, and totally to your friend Jesus? And allow Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Let's stand together as we sing, I Surrender All.